listening to our New Chapel podcast. We're for people to connect with God and be raised to new life in Christ. Be sure to connect with us at newchapel.com and on social media to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel. Well, good morning, everybody. You excited about today? Yeah. Hey, uh, this is the sixth part, holy moly, of our series FAQ, and we're, we're really digging into it because you're loving it, and it's answering questions that you really have, uh, yes, about your faith, but also the times that we're living in. Today, we're going to be answering the question, how do I deal with the stress in my life? Throw that question up there, guys. How do I deal with the stress in my life? Now, in Western Michigan, there is a stigma on messages like this. Unfairly so. People say, well, this is a little bit too self-helpy. It feels a little icky, right? Like, aren't we supposed to be like emphasizing just the gospel? And, and, and why are we wasting primetime church on something like this? And I actually think that that's a great question if the goal is to come to a spot of resolve and you want a godly answer on it. Because what I've seen in my short ministry is so many people, Christians, that face relationship problems and they lose sleep because of it. They're stressed out and they're anxious about what's going on in their life. There's believers out there that they come home and bury their head in a bottle or in their phone because they're avoiding their wife and kids because they're tore back with angst about work or angst about providing for their home. I've seen people that, that have had this fear of this undue pressure on their life. They feel it. It's palpable. They feel it uh, of their, their parents or their in-laws or their, their job or the pressure to perform for everybody else. And what happens is they, they, they make themselves ill. Their stomach turns in knots. And yet these people are called the people of God. So I'm going to just tell you, we need to admit that for many of us in the room, we are stressed. This isn't something that's distant that, that we shouldn't spend any time on. This is something that we need to focus on and realize that this comes into our lives. And as Christians, if we can't show the world that, that we're resolved, what are we welcoming them into? Hey, come be a Christian and be stressed out and full of anxiety and eat your nails off over here. You know, I mean, for real? Think about it. With one feeble little signature, somebody can put us into a border crisis, economic crisis, commodity crisis, fuel crisis, crisis in the Middle East. I'm telling you, y'all were eating your fingernails in January. Quiet in this Presbyterian church all of a sudden. You see these things happen, and, and it really troubles people. Why? Because I got to eat. We got to get around. We, we hear things about the end times. Yeah, the best thing that we need is the beginning of the Gog Magog more. Awesome. That's what we need right now where we're facing other things, including unemployment. And so, so this anxiety thing, listen to me, it's knocking at your door. We need to spend the time it deserves on this. A couple of thoughts about stress. If you're taking notes, pull out something to, to jot these things down. When we're stressed, life begins to close in on you. That's true, isn't it? You begin to feel that. And it's actually a sign of the end times, the things that are happening where the pace of things are beginning to pick up. It's making some people wilt. And we can read about it in Luke 21. The Bible says this, when these things begin to take place, stand up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing 
near. And I, I included that to let you know that in this chapter, they're talking about end times. That's verse 28. Here's verse 34. Be careful. In other words, Christian, this is something that is going to take your attention. Be careful or your hearts will be weighed down. There's people in the sound of my voice right now that you're more tired when you wake up in the morning than you were when you went to bed. Be careful your hearts will be weighed down with carousing. Well, what's that? Is that going out and having a big old party? Carousing is just living loose. I don't care. Carousing is thinking that church is a campground. It's not. How about this one? Drunkenness. The obvious one is with alcohol and spirits, but there's people that get drunk on vision, drunk on what they got going on. They ignore their family in lieu of, of, of career success. Does that make sense, everybody? And so, so, so there's drunkenness and the anxieties of life. And that day, check it, it'll close in on you like a trap. We discount how these things that are, that are happening in our life and the anxieties that we give place to, they have an implication on our soul. And the stress is so costly, the pace is out of order, and we get rushed. We're in a rush all the time. It's like we're, we're rushed to get to work, a rush to get home. i got to rush over here and get groceries. You're rushing to do your shipped account, and they deliver now, right? Like it's, why are we in, oh my gosh, can't breathe. Rushing all over the place. I'll tell you one thing that exploits all of this. They just finished the construction downtown, and they're like, psych, here's another one. You know, the expressway is closed. You can look at the hospital, take you 45 minutes to get there, you know. And you, and you got 100 people in front of you, a billion people behind you, and some guy's laying on the horn. And you're thinking, what brand of stupid do you have to be to not see in front of me? We can't go anywhere. And all of a sudden, you go back to your scouting days trying to signal them. Ah! <laughs> we don't have time let me tell you about time you're going to eat out 14,411 times that's 1,811 of them at McDonald's cuisine, fine cuisine everybody you're going to spend 13 years and 4 months watching TV well I don't have enough time Pastor Joe Bologna is a city in Italy spend 5 years waiting in lines unless you're like me I cut one year looking for things that you've lost. One year. Or if you're my wife, that'd be about five years looking for things that you've lost. Attend 35 weddings. Who else secretly, like, you're always, like, looking for the nearest exit at a wedding. Just, just go ahead. Men, don't do anything. Just look at me. I know. <laughs> I got you. Drive about 627,000 miles. That's about 25 times around the globe. You got all the time you need. You just might not be spending it on the right things. So life starts to close in. Second thought, our emotions become inconsistent. When you're stressed out, you're not stable emotionally. So we're rushed all around, and we're angry, and we're given like traffic greeting hand signals, you know, and it's because you thought, I can, I can pull this off. And you added something else in. And I, I could just stop at Starbucks real quick. It's, it's 8.57, and you're supposed to be at work at 9. I'm just going to go real quick. You know Starbucks is in no hurry. They hire the most lazy teenagers in the entire world. Those beatniks can't make a coffee quick to, to, to save their lives. Shame the devil and tell the truth. They're slow. They have a drive through and they're slow. And you think you can pull it off. Fit one more thing in. One, one more extra. One more little stop. I want to hit this on the way home. And, and you wonder why everybody's just on the edge with everything. Chris Hodges says it might be doable, but it is not sustainable. What you might be able to pull off in one season, 
you better figure out what else needs to go in the next. I get it, there's seasons for war, and nobody's got fighting blood like Joe Bevilacqua, but I'm going to tell you, you can't do it forever. You can't do it forever. It's not sustainable. Job chapter 9, it will cost you. My days go by faster than a runner. They fly away without me seeing any joy. For some in the room, that hurts to hear. Because weeks just stack, don't they? Do you remember when you're in preschool and just like, oh, man, days took forever. Like, when's dad going to be home? Stays going forever. Now it's like pace is picked up. It's like, what are you talking about? It's 2021. It's 2020 still, right? Nope, skip that one. You know, we're on to the next. We're just done with it. Get with the gra- And actually, you know, you're, you're almost halfway through this one. What? It's, it's like life, everybody. We're blazing through life, and we're not enjoying it. You're blazing through life, and you're not living life. Oh, friend, your life is for living. Here's a great example. Tiger King feels like 10 years ago and yesterday all at once, doesn't it? Moving on. When we're stressed, write it down. (laughs) We're less productive. You think you'd be more productive, wouldn't you? You think that, that with all the pace and the more and the get it done, you think you'd get more things done, but the reality is you've, you've made your axe dim, if you will. And so you're, you're trying to chop wood with, with a dull axe. And, and if you just take a second, sharpen the saw, sharpen the axe, so to speak, and, and go at it again, you'd have something to contribute. And so, so our tires are spinning in our life. We get frustrated with that. We think one more call, one more stop, one more meeting. This is a very interesting statistic. Our generation is going to work 181 more hours a year than the previous generation. First service, I asked somebody to do the math on a 40-hour work week, what that meant. And it means this. Your parents, they worked a month and a half less than what you're going to work. Let me put it this way. You fit in another month and a half of work every year than the generations before you did. That's very profound. How about this one? 80% of mothers feel an unbearable amount of stress. 70% say that they're sleep deprived. Why? It's because we just think more is going to do it. You think that little Timmy, who's actually Damien, you think that you need to give him everything, (laughs) push on his chest so he can breathe, but supplement everything in his life because he can go Harvard. Oh, Lord. And, and, and you, you want to set it. So it's more and more sports. He's in 141 things. He's got three soccer clubs. And by the way, soccer has no respect for Sunday mornings. And you pulled him out of church, which is supposed to be a refreshing in your life, to go do and do and do. And you're teaching that your kid's worth is judged by their doing and not who they are intrinsic value. More. And we become less productive. Less productive. I am searching and believing God. Where are the 12-year-old boys to mow lawns? Right? They're gone. They're playing Xbox. Proverbs 21. We need to have an Xbox burning at the church, amongst other things. Proverbs 21.5. Jesus, come back in the room, please, Lord. Careful planning puts you ahead in the long run. Hurry and scurry put you further behind. Why? You're going to mess up. You're going to do step one half and go have to do it again because it's janky. That's what Proverbs 19 says. Well, not word for word. It says a person in a hurry makes, say it with me, say it, makes mistakes. You're in your hurry scurry mode. I'm on. Okay. You know, you look neurotic is what you look like. 
You look manic depressant. You're up right now, but we're all horrified of what's coming next. Do, 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 do. Uh, get out of her way, you know. And we need to slow down. We need to remember that God has more. When we're stressed, the rush makes us empty inside. What are you talking about, Pastor Joe? Have you ever gotten home and said, man, I've been so busy. I've been run ragged. I didn't get anything done. I didn't get anything done. I didn't take any ground in my life. And this impact on our soul is huge. When you're not being productive and you're made to do good works, Psalm 39, we are merely moving shadows and all of our busy rushing ends in nothing. He said, that sounds like old poetry. Busy, what does that even mean? Do your kids see an outline of where you slept in the bed, but they have no relationship with you? Because we're going to have more. That's a shadow of what God's called. It's beneath who you are. God has more for you. And so we think, okay, Pastor Joe, what's the solution? Do we do nothing? Do we, do we pull back on everything? Well, no, you were made to do good works, maybe not as much as you're doing. In fact, the, the world religions, the Eastern religions that would have you do nothing, they just paralyze you. And you end up becoming somebody that's ineffective in your life. You won't make your family happy that way either. There's the Mary and Martha, right? Somebody's got to be Martha because we need to eat, okay? And so, so remember this, that, that emptiness it doesn't come from just activity. In fact, write this down. Burnout doesn't come from doing too much. It comes from doing the wrong stuff, stuff that doesn't matter. There's some activities, blows my mind. I have no idea how some of you go on a hike and you're refreshed. How do you like me now? It just blows my mind. You're refreshed. Perfect. How about this one? Some of y'all go golfing, you know? I'll tell you one for me, and it is an active. I love to swim. I love the water. I feel the presence of God when I'm in the water. Every major decision that Kai and I have ever made in our lives has been in water. I mean, crazy, you know? And been in the pool talking or been in the lake talking. There's things that you can do to bring you life. In fact, I would say your God-given purpose is going to bring you life. You can be working hard. Isn't that right, Steve? When you put together all those Christmas boxes, it's a lot of work. Super life-giving, isn't it? And so it's not the lack of activity, it's doing something that matters and then having some margin for other things. Last thing I want to tell you about stress, I'm going to give you some pointers on how to walk this thing out in a healthy way. When we're stressed, our stress makes it so we can't hear God. Well, I don't believe that. No, listen, you're, you're going to become numb to the Holy Spirit. Psalm 46, be still and know that I'm God. Boy, that's a foreign concept right now. In fact, when things got quiet there just a second ago, you're like, oh, that feels good. Be still. And so tell me where talking about stress is disingenuous. Tell me where talking about this is something that we should avoid. In fact, I would say that if pastors had done a better job at this, we might have seen less marriages fall apart, buried people who, who, who shouldn't have died. They, they, they were buried before their time. And you might have saved money on your manicure bill in the month of January, everybody. And so teaching you how to deal with this, I think, is essential to my job. And it's essential for the world that we live in in the times that we live in. Can I hear an amen, somebody? So here's my question I want to pose to you. What are you going to do about it? Because here's the propensity that we have just to kick the can down the road. You know you're stressed. You'll agree with it. We even ask you how you do. How, how you doing? You don't answer that question. You answer with what really is the pressing thing in your face. I'm busy. How you doing? I'm busy. As though it's some badge of honor. I'm, I'm, 
a real boy. I'm a good dad because I'm busy. And you know that it's taking pennies out of the proverbial mason jar. What are you going to do about it? Because if you think you can keep on kicking the can down the street, you'll find yourself in a spot where your kids don't know who you are. The closest relationships in your life are far away. You'll find years were spent out of purpose, out of doing something that gives you life. If you begin on this step, this, this journey really of getting this junk out and pursuing and leaning into God's best, it will be oxygen for you. It'll be relief like you never expected. What does Jesus say about it? That's what we need. Matthew 11. Are you tired, worn out, burned out? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. As we face the most perilous times we've ever seen in America, I think that we need to be the people that are marked by going through this thing with a godly resolve, a confident assurance that God will see us through. Amen? couple of thoughts on that. Write this down. What are we going to do about stress? Number one, we got to stop striving for the more. Now, don't confuse this with living in apathy or not pursuing more of what God has for you, but I'm talking about you pursuing more for more sake. Did you know that the average American spends 137% of their income every year? By the way, that 37%, that's debt. And there is a tax on stupidity. It's called student loans and consumer debt. And the sooner you can cut up those credit cards and get out of that bondage, the better. 137. Why are we doing that? Why are we going into debt? It's not like we're even producing that much more. Why is it happening? Because you are a person who is buying things that you don't need with money you don't have to impress people you don't really like. Trying to keep up with the Joneses. And your wife hates Mrs. Jones. I'm just, forgive her, walk in love, but don't go into debt also. Amen? And we're trying to put on for everybody that we are industrious and we are successful. And, and really, you're telling off on yourself because the bill at the end of all of that will consume so much of your happiness in later life and in retirement. You'll be a slave to that consumer debt. Wow. We see people that become so overextended with debt that everybody in the house needs to work. Now, this is so old school, but I grew up in country church, and New Chapel leans into this stuff. You know, maybe not everybody in the house needs to work. And if you weren't in all of that debt, maybe some of the things that you want to come home and play honeymooners and pound at the table and say, I want my dinner and I want this, want that, maybe it'd all be done if you weren't so much debt for all the toys that you have. That's not great preaching to build a church, but it's going to build the fire out of you. That's what you need, everybody. It's, it's choking you, and I just want you to see it. I'm not saying women can't work. I, I encourage you to work. Some of you need to work. But I'm going to tell you that when you're doing it out of desperation, and secretly she wants to be home with the kids, and there's a purpose there, and if you just weren't in riddled with debt, you could live your life and have the family, have your cake and eat it too. I'm telling you, that, that does something to the soul of a marriage. Hallelujah. <laughs> Ecclesiastes chapter 4, since there's no place else to go. 
It is better to have only a little with peace of mind than be busy all the time. We try to do it all, fit it all in. I've had people come up to these altars before, and they describe everything going on in their life, and they're asking me to bless their insanity. Your life is completely like leaning over on one side. This is so unhealthy. You need to learn how to deal with some of these things. And you want me to, to pray that something comes through for you. And, and I got to tell you, I can't heal stupid. <laughs> and, and God can. You got to renew your own mind. again. I'm, this is so severe. It wasn't like that for service. But I'm just, I'm trying to help you, everybody. Like, <laughs> God can't bless that. What do we need to do? We need to learn about what we're doing wrong and say, God, what are you blessing and how do I get over there as quickly as I possibly can? Because it's not working and it's choking us and we've got to get out of this thought that we got to please everybody. And so it made me think about growing up. I grew up, uh, my dad lived on Hess Lake in Nuego and so I grew up in a town that at least wanted to be like a Norman Rockwell painting. I don't know if it was all the time, but uh, in the summers, because of my mom's condition, I ended up spending a lot of it with my grandparents. And they lived in the country. Um, so like Kenowa and 13 Mile, okay? So like in the, it's going over into Ottawa County, right out of Kent. And if you ever seen like Van Bell's an auction house there, anybody I'm talking about? So that would be my cousin. And he, he turned that into a Baptist church. It's called Harvest Baptist. That's my cousin. So if you're ever vacationing to the metropolis of Gooding, <laughs> which is a real thing to him, uh, drop a line. But... Um, I spent a lot of time out there in those orchards, and uh, my, my grandma was country as cornbread, I'm telling you. Like, I, I made the mistake one time of complaining that I was bored. I got mouthy with my grandpa, my grandpa, Adrian Van Bells, and says, go cut a switch. What does that even mean? I have no idea what you're talking about. I come back with the wimpiest little stick of the door. There you go. Pops, you know. Perfect. He goes out there takes his knife out of his pocket, like that. You know, he's like, a man with a knife in his pocket's worth a buck more an hour. I'm like, I'm 10, you know? (laughs) Cuts off a willow branch. Anybody else familiar with the broadside of a willow? You'll end up on CNN tonight if you make your kids acquainted with it, but I became well acquainted with the willow tree. I played outside because of it. And uh, they had a pool, and Grandpa made sure that pool was clean. I could wear a bathing suit in the pool, but, like, they would make me go swim in the pond, and they weren't going to get the bathing suit dirty for you to go swim in the pond. And so they made me, this is so embarrassing. I'm in middle school, a portly child, wearing my briefs in a pond, catching frogs and turtles. (laughs) The savages of Gooding. (laughs) Played in the dirt. Played out in the sun all day. Got sunburns. For those of you that are like 18 and under, a sunburn is when you're outside long enough. Feels good, doesn't it? We didn't have angry birds. We had real birds. My grandma got this demonically possessed goose. She wanted to have eggs. I'm telling you, we were country, everybody. Remember that goose? Possessed by Beelzebub. Chased me all over the yard. They thought it was funny. Grandma says, bud, go get my camera. Oh, my gosh. Out there, portly as anything, running in briefs from a goose. (laughs) People say, Pastor Joe, you have such an aw shucks appeal to you. No, listen, I'm aw shucks. Like, I'm not putting on anything. 
I remember grandma yelling out and calling grandpa for lunch. She'd have like a bologna sandwich with one piece of bologna, cut a diagonal toasted bread. They'd play six games of Yahtzee at once after lunch every day. During those summer times, I knew how they liked their coffee, black, and they were very, very distinct uh, taste with this coffee. Hills Brothers, out of a can, like a buck a whole <laughs> crate of it. <laughs> I'd brew it, and Grandpa and Grandma would take a nap. I'd try. Eventually, I ended up doing it. Go out and play more, play in the dirt, have fun, yell and scream, find wild vines to swing from. I remember Grandma had a garden. We'd go out, and we'd shuck the corn. For some reason, they convinced me that that was cool. When there's nothing to do in the country, shucking the corn is amazing. You want to talk about a science experiment? We grew a cucumber patch, you know, like we made a boat out of it and put it inside that, that pond. And we visited. We'd sit around and Boy, they were so country. I think my grandma was the only one smoking a corncob pipe, you know. <laughs> we'd sit around and we'd talk. We'd look at each other, tell stories. Why aren't you saying that, Pastor Joe? Some of us need the dirt in our life again. You need to turn off all the freaking screens in our life. Stop buying your kids iPhones and, and just talk. Remember we used to talk? Golly, balance is a myth. Learn to say no. I'm known for saying no to a lot of things, a lot of good opportunities. In fact, try to get a hold of me, period. But try to get a hold of me. Shut up. Uh, <laughs> taking names. But from five to eight, you can't. It's impossible. Why? I get home, and, and Kai and I are big on our roles. So I get home, Kai's got coffee ready for me, and I get done on my tummy, and I play with my kids. And I talk to them, and I ask them about their day and what they're interested in. And we get ready for dinner. You know what we do at the Bevelacquas? We all sit down at the dining room table. It's not so special and precious that those kids can't mess it up. We sit there, we hold hands, and because there's nothing going on in the world right now, like... Uh, Jack and Aurelia are in competition to see who's going to remember to say, can I pray tonight, you know? They pray the most bogus prayers. I don't know who they've been praying to, but, <laughs> but it's so sweet. And, and we sit there as a family, and we talk, and we go around the table. There's times where Kai and I will sneak in dinner without him, but I don't do it all that often because I want those kids to have memories of doing that because the Lord tarries. I want them to do that with their kids, to talk to one another. No TV on. We're not watching anything. We're going to talk and I say no to things all the time. No, all the time, to good opportunities. You don't think that I don't have opportunities to go travel and preach? Let me just help you. I do. I stopped all of that when my son was born. Stopped it on a dime. I preached regularly. Some of you around here when I was at the school, and every once in a while, Pastor Joe would be out preaching. I'm going to tell you, you'd still pay me my salary. I'd go make a nice honorarium going doing it. I would. Some of those guys want me to go so badly. You know why? <laughs> because I opened before they did a bunch of chickens, and they, they want me to come in and, and ruffle the feathers of their people a little bit because they're not brave enough to do it, but they're watching now. I say no, because I need to be at home. 
I need to make sure this church is doing what it needs to do. I need to see us through this, whatever you want to call it. I say no to so many things that are good things. They're just not God things. And so I say no. Proverbs 20 and verse 25. This is the Admiral Akbar verse. It is a trap for a man to decide something rashly and only later to consider his vows. You ever been in that spot where it's like, why did I say yes to doing this? Stop doing that. In fact, we all need to get comfortable with the word no at this church. So let's all say no on the count of three. One, two, three. No. Oh, that's life-giving. That felt good. It felt so good. Let's do it again. One, two, three. No. I give you permission. Well, if we don't go over, my mother-in-law is going to be all upset. That girl's upset all the time anyway. Who cares? No. Go on with your angry self. I'm going to be happy. Some of you men aren't laughing. You're looking forward. Smart. I got you. <laughs> no. I'm not, I'm not putting my kids in 100 different activities. Not happening. I have nothing to prove to you. Well, they're not going to get into college. Might be a great thing. Or maybe they'll find a better one that can actually look at who they are and who God has called them to be and how we can take that journey together. you got to get over that thought that you're doing a disservice to your kids if you don't spoil them. Some of you need to go home and say, I love you so much, to your 13-year-old daughter. Take their phone and go, yoink, and make the sound effect while you do it. And take it. Yoink. Thank you. Praise God. Get off your soapbox, Bev. Number two, what are we going to do about stress? We're going to Sabbath well. We're going to Sabbath well, you think of Sabbath as some commandment. It's not a mere commandment. It's for you. It's for you to be able to rest. Some people say, well, go into church. I just observed the Sabbath. No, Sabbath is a day. This is what the Bible says in Exodus 20. You have six days in which to do your work, but the seventh day is a day of rest dedicated to me. Yeah, there's groups out there that say that they're advocating for your rights and workers' rights and advocate, they're the ones that invented the weekend and society has never recovered. You don't need so much time on your hands. Now, most of us in the room, you work a 40-hour work week, and, and uh, so you typically work five days. My suggestion for you would be to work five for your employer, but work one for you. That might be an Etsy shop. That might be you selling something on eBay or, or working on your house to fix it up as an investment. But listen to me. Don't look to the world's way to get ahead and expect that they can solve your problems. Have they not thoroughly shown themselves to be at inept at solving your problems? You look to God in his way. That's a good word, Pastor Joe. Thank you. I like it. Well, Sabbath is Saturday. Yes, the Jews celebrated Sabbath on Saturday, but the word Sabbath means to seize you need a day in your life where you're not doing work, where you're caught up on the laundry, and if you're not, I don't know, we're wearing dirty clothes. Like, we're not, we're just going to stop. What is that day for you? And I'm going to tell you, this is the reason why it's a principle and not a certain day. I take Fridays off. That's my day off, and then I'm working. And so Lionel Richie would have a hard time with me because it's not easy like Sunday morning, everybody. Like, I got, I've been up since five working to make this church happen, and so but you need a day. It's a day where you rest. How do you know that you're resting? It's not inactivity, but whatever you're doing is something that you can't make money from. 
I'm looking at some of my entrepreneurs right now. Because some of you start a hobby and find a way to make money from it. Knock it off. Enjoy your life. Rest for a day. Sharpen the saw. Proverbs 10, 27, reverence for God adds hours to each day. That is not to say you're going to add a 25th, 26th hour. It's going to be that while you're doing what you're doing, you're going to be more effective having honored God. So write it down. Balance is a myth. Pursue rhythm. Rhythm. What do you mean by that, Pastor Joe? Don't we want a balanced life? No, you don't. My wife sent me a video this week of our kids. They went to Cedar Springs to a park, and they had a teeter-totter on. Hard to find teeter-totters. Harder yet to find merry-go-rounds. Who else lost their first tooth on a merry-go-round? Talk to me. So Kaya sends me this video of the boys, and they're on, they're on the teeter-totter, and they're going back and forth. And God spoke to me in a moment and said, that's rhythm. Some of you guys want balance, meaning you want to take this teeter-totter and have both parts touch the ground at the same time, and you wonder why there's a breaking sensation in your life. You can't do it all. Or you'll get confused by the world system of doing things, and you want balance, and so you want the teeter-totter in the air, not touching the ground at all. Well, that's balance, but you're completely ineffective. You become what society wants you to be, some happy little drone to complete what they need you to do, your part in the beehive. Boy, it stings this morning. I don't know. <laughs> Listen to me. Work hard. Play hard. Work hard. Enjoy time with your family. Have, have ideas and vision and work hard and be entrepreneurial and take a rest and play. Playing isn't just for kids. Playing is for you. Amen, somebody. I'm just trying to help. Romans 12. Don't burn out. Keep yourselves fueled in a flame, cheerfully expectant. Don't quit in hard times. Pray all the harder. Why does it say that? Because when you get burnt out, you just want to quit. But here's the problem. You, you lent your word. You said you were going to do it. I believe you need to suffer to your own hurt. You don't need a bailout because of your bad decisions. You need to suffer through it. And then when the next season comes along, you need to be a little bit more reserved about what you say yes to. Here's what I see happen. People get so overwhelmed with what's happening in their life, so stressed and so anxious. They go bankrupt. They get the divorce. They do whatever to make the pressure go off. And here's the problem. You hit the reset button on your life in your 30s, in your 40s, in your 50s. And now you're 60-some years old. Nobody wants to buy the milk anymore. Like, you can't hit the reset button. Because you weren't meant to hit the reset button on your life. But you were meant to have temperance and rhythm. I need to move on. Number three, what are we going to do about the stress? We're going to get close to Jesus. That's what we need here. He is your Savior, but not just that. He's your Lord, but not just that. He's a person. He's your shepherd. The Bible calls him the good shepherd. I'm a shepherd, I'm a pastor, but I'm an under-shepherd. I'm under the chief shepherd, the good shepherd. And this is what will happen if you make the decision to get close to God. Not vacation from church, but get close to him. Lean in while the world is going nuts. If you do it, this is what will happen. Wow. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. What does that mean? Don't want anymore. No, it means he's taking such good care of his kids. He's meeting so many of your needs emotionally and fundamentally and materially that you're like, I want for nothing. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lay down in green pastures. The pasture represents his provision. You can go out there and eat what you need. 
My wife and I have a joke because far be it from her, but let's just say I have a bad day. Kai will approach me with some melatonin and a smile. Take two of these and call me in the morning. And the joke that we have between each other is, like a wounded animal, you need to get shot and put out of your misery. <laughs> so we're smart enough at this point, 10 years in, to take the advice, right? And uh, God sometimes will come up to you if you've, if you've yielded your life to him, and you'll be so tired. You're going to get tired doing the things he asked you to do. And he'll make you lay down. He said, look, rest. Wow. That's love. He leads me beside quiet waters and he restores my soul. So your activity that's stressing you out, this anxiety that's eroding you from the inside out, the Bible's confirming. The implication on your soul is huge, but Jesus can restore your soul. And it says that he's going to lead you beside quiet waters. We had these friends the Dahans, and they had a cottage up in Mears. They just sold it. Oh, man. And uh, it was so beautiful. It was on Lake Michigan. Oh, nothing like it, everybody. Kai and I would wake up in the morning, and the whole lake would be still. And I'm just telling you right now, there's something about that. It, it was just washing away the lap of that water on those rocks. It just washed away all that junk. It restored so much. Mentally, he's going to restore the deepest part of you. That's what he wants to do. Makes me think about that old hymn I played at my grandparents' country church in the garden. I don't know why I'm bringing up hymns so much lately, but something comforting about it. You remember it? Maybe you never heard it. I go to the garden to pray before the dew sits on the roses. Maybe that's what you need to be doing right now is getting away from all the junk, getting away from the busyness, turn off the news and sit in a special spot in your garden. God, God knows we got like two months of good weather in Michigan, everybody. Here's another uh, hymn. Get your blessed assurance out there on one of those chairs. You'll hear the birds going, but you'll hear the Holy Spirit. And he'll restore your soul. He walks with me, talks with me. God's trying to get something to you, everybody. Matthew 11. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke on you. Learn from me, from gentle, humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He's, he's speaking this to an agrarian culture where they knew what a yoke was. It would go over two ox. If you had a big ox and a small ox, unfortunately, when you were plowing, the big ox would end up pulling and you wouldn't have straight lines in your fields. So the young ox would have to pull so hard and it was a heavy yoke on them to try to keep it. They're getting swatted the whole time and it wasn't their fault. What Jesus is trying to convey is it's the world putting all that pressure on you. It's the world system that's trying to crush you under it all. He, however, puts a yoke on you. Yes, there is constraint, but it's light. He's humble and lowly. You know what that's talking about? From time to time, I have to correct someone or rebuke someone. Do you know 99.9 chances out of 100, I'm going to do that so gentle. I'm going to be so sweet and loving to them and try to bring it out so we can correct the behavior and not destroy the person. 
And what I've learned is that where some of you guys can be a little bit more forceful, sometimes when it just comes from this office, it means more and you could just crush people. I've learned that. Let me just tell you something. Jesus is better. He's so concerned about you. So if you're doing something wrong, he doesn't go, thou slothful servant, the lazy wicked of this generation. (laughs) Repent for the fires of hell are torching your tootsies. (laughs) no your father will say son sweetheart there's a better way there's an easier way to do this you're killing yourself stop stop you know how hard it is for him to see you spin your tires stop all that last scripture I'm going to read a point and then I'll pray Isaiah 63 that they were given rest by the spirit of the Lord And this is how you guided your people to make for yourself a glorious name. What does that that describe? It's saying that the people of God, when you go out into the wild, into your families, your workplaces, your homes, out there at Myers, when you're living your life, the resolve and peace on your life is a gospel message to those people that are in this world that you actually are living in a way that's appealing to them, that the peace and resolve on your heart is contagious. Let me read it again. They were given rest by the Spirit of the Lord. He'll do it just for you. However, the byproduct, this is how you guided your people to make for yourself a glorious name. You know, the best message we can preach to this world is he does have the answers And it's not easy. Listen, you're going to face awful things. In this world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world, Jesus says. It's going to come. There's going to be hard things that knock at the door, but you've got to knock back. You've got to be a person that says, no, listen, God is for me. And if God is for me, who is going to be against me? Let God be true and every man a liar. Amen, somebody? I'm not going to get stressed out. I'm not going to wig out on my family and my kids and the person behind me in the car with their horn. I'm going to say, God, they're so stupid. Don't put put their sin against them. And then for your family, I'm not going to put all that junk and harass them. And, 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 And the Bible says, he who troubles his household will inherit the wind. I'm not going to take out my anxiety. God, I'm going to give it to you. Cast it on you. I can't take it all. I don't have the answers to all. But you have the answers to all things. So what's the great point, Pastor Joe? What's the great conclusion? Something you know. Here's the conclusion. Slow down and trust that God's way is best. Sometimes less is a lot more. And that what he's called you to is good enough to say no to some of the good opportunities that are out there. God has peace for you today, church. I pray you lean into it. Heavenly Father, I thank you for every person in the sound of my voice, that God, this is not something that we are immune to or something that we're unfamiliar with. The stress and anxiety of this world has knocked on our doors, I'd say chiefly in the past 14 months like never before. Lord, I don't pray for a bunch of Hulk Hogan Christians to put bravado on that they got this. I want people to lean on Jesus, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Lord, I pray that, and I know it, there's some people in here and you have put on such a steady face for your kids, 
trying to be stable. And you're morally right, but you're sourcing out of your own strength. You know what God's telling you today? You can be strong for your kids through him. You don't have to put it on. That he'll be strong for you and through you. There's a single mom, and I know who you are, but I'm not going to call you out. Listen. He wants to take care of you for no other reason than you. And if you learn to accept that, you can accept that. You can trust this gift. That will be the best way to show support and stability for your kids. Isaiah 54, thy maker is thy husbandman. The Lord of hosts is his name. God will stand and fill in that gap. You trust him. Lose the desperation. It'll come. You trust him. You hear me? You know. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Heads bowed, eyes closed, every Christian praying. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Love you. Love your people. Thank you, Jesus. You're trying this out. That's what you said. You said it to someone you're with. I'm trying this out. Listen to me. God's faithful. <laughs> so try him out. But he's going to show himself faithful. Will you respond? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. There's the big one. You were born in 1974. There was trouble in your parents' pregnancy, your mother's pregnancy. And it's when abortion became legal. And they were told you should just abort the pregnancy. Your mother didn't do it, and you were born. But that word has followed you. And the enemy tried to take you out because of the incredible call in your life. Listen to me right now. There is no devil in hell that can stop you if you stay faithful to the Lord. You follow what he says. There's words of life that have also been spoken over you by someone you know and you trust. And it resonated with you as you heard the word of God. Listen to me. Side with the words of truth. The words of death spoken over you since before you were born are null and void. And today God says, be free. Be free of all that junk. Be free. He couldn't take you out. If he could, he would have. Be free in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Wow, four other things at once, but I can't say them all. There's anxiety in this place, and God's bringing relief. Silently lift up your need to him right now.
Just whatever your need is, that thing that is bothering the fire out of you, it's keeping you up at night, there's big problems in the room, there's financial needs. Listen, you just lift that up to the Lord, lift it up to the Lord in your heart right now, and be free right now. You don't have to leave this place anxious, you can leave this place free. So just do that, leave free. His yoke is easy and his burden is light, but you have to take that yoke on. There's freedom in the house. You don't have to figure it all out. You don't have to defend God. You don't have to have all the solutions. He's got the solutions. The one that holds the universe in his hands can hold your problem in his hands. You trust him with your eternity. Trust him with your present. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Hey, and if you're in this room and you don't have a relationship with God, Jesus made a way. He brokered a relationship between you and Almighty God. When you call Jesus Lord, the Bible says you'll be saved. You'll avoid a Christless hell. You'll have an eternity in heaven. But that eternal life that you're looking for, it starts the day you give your life to him. Lord means boss. It's you in essence saying, God, I am done being the own God of my life. I give my life to you. So if that's you in this place, I want you to pray this prayer. It's not magic words, but if you mean it from your heart, the Bible says you'll be saved. Christians, pray this with those people praying it for the first time to support them and a declaration of your faith. Pray this out loud. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross in my place for my sins so I could be forgiven. You raised him from the dead. This I believe. So with my heart and with these words, I confess. Jesus Christ is my Lord. I surrender now. Jesus, I call on you. Come into my life. Forgive my sins. Put your spirit within me. I receive all that you have for me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for making all things new. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen and amen. Give it up for those people that accepted Christ. Louder than that, from death to life. Now listen, if you accepted Christ in this place, you got to let us know about it. There's public things like baptism and private things like this, so I'm not going to call you forward. Though we will have prayer partners as we dismiss. If you want to talk to somebody, we'd love to talk with you and pray with you. But what we would like you to do, no matter what, is let us know about your decision. you got to let somebody know. And you can either do that the same way that our first-time visitors are doing it or let somebody know up here at the front by filling out the connection card either in person or online. God has big things for you, awesome things. You need to know these next steps because I don't want you to wake up Monday morning and be like, okay, I'm a Christian. Now what? You know what I'm talking about? God has big things. He's got a call in your life. He wants you to get plugged into a church, get baptized. So many more great things that the people around you have done. So listen, friends that brought, friends that accepted Christ today, get them. Get them to fill that out so we can get that information to all of them. One more time, let's give it up for them, gang. Awesome job. Stand up on your feet. Hey, y'all getting anything out of FAQ, the series? Yeah? Very cool. I, I think that next week is really going to help. We're going to be talking about how to raise kids in troubling times. Anybody else need help besides me? Yeah. Now, listen, if you're in here and you're a parent of kids, like, listen, obviously, be here. But if, if your kids are already out of the house, don't check out because we need you 
to be keen to what's going on. The game has changed since you were raising kids. And so we need you to know what's going on so you can be supporting families and your loved ones in prayer. And if you're a single person, I'm looking at Christian right now, you want to have kids, right, someday? In Jesus' name? We got to fight. I know country boy can survive. Can country girl survive? Is who we're looking for. There's other country songs I could quote. But if you want to be a person who can parent in the future, you should listen to this as a single person. Kai and I decided our philosophy on parenting years before we ever had kids, and we think that's the best way to do it. So next week, it's all about parenting. Don't miss it. I want to let you know that at the end of today's service, 15 minutes after we dismiss, we're having New Chapel Connect. If you haven't taken New Chapel Connect, it's all about finding out about the church, about how you can partner with us, how we can partner with you. I'm going to be here personally, and I'd love to meet some of you. It's a little bit difficult when you beeline it for the parking lot. And so if you just want to hang out for a second and say, hey, we have free lunch for you. Your kids can stay back and new kids under child care. It's all back there on that videotape. You can be confident with two leaders. But we'd love to be able to meet you and talk about the church and talk to you about how we can partner together. New Chapel Connect is this week and next, and so it's only a two-week thing. Jump in today. And then finally, April, th I'm sorry, May 30th. Everybody say May 30th. Yeah goes by faster than a runner without me seeing any joy. Anyway, May 30th for all of our Go Team leaders is our rally point. It's an opportunity for us to get together and talk about, hey, this is where we're taking ground and this is where we're going. It's a vision casting time. So if you're part of the team on May 30th, make sure that you stay for second service so that you can hang out with us after about 45 minutes. We'll have lunch for you. I think we're going to have a delectable thing called Little Caesars $5 pizzas. Praise God. Would you lift your hands for the blessing? Before I give it, God, we pray for peace in Israel. Your holy chosen people, we pray for the peace of Jerusalem right now, that the weapon may be formed, but it'll never prosper. God, we pray that the enemy is overplaying his hand like he always does, and this goes into the advance of the Jews. I pray, God, that they'd reclaim their temple mount, and we get that gold ugly thing off the top of it. Lord, I thank you for peace in Jerusalem and Israel. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine on you, be gracious unto you, lift up his countenance upon you, and give you his peace. And as you go, have an awesome week. I love you. We hope that you were encouraged and brought closer to God during this message. You can listen to any of our past messages and series either on this podcast or on newchapel.com slash watch. And be sure to connect with us on Facebook or Instagram to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel.